Hello, 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 and thank you so much for pressing play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your audio dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lakes State. How's it going? My name's Robert Kerr, your host of the show as always, episode 103 of the show. Very fun one as we are on the heels and just warming up from Detroit City FC's home opening match. Um, we couldn't get any post-match audio because the conditions <laughs> on Saturday afternoon were just ridiculous. Um, there was no getting post-game interviews. I'm not even sure if the players were available or not, but uh, it was so windy. Everyone was just trying to escape, and uh, all it would have been is the sound of wind on a microphone. So I've got uh, an interview lined up with a fan, another soccer dad that uh, I bump into in all sorts of soccer events. Chris Crossinio Rosen is on the program with me this week. Uh, and we're going to have a double episode this week as we're going to get a little preview of the NISA season later in the week. But for now, enjoy uh, the the retelling of the game, the home opening game for Detroit City FC, characterized as wind, streaking, and an L, here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome into the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your audio dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lakes state of Michigan. How's it going? My name's Robert Kerr, your host of the program. We have a multi-episode week ahead of us. Uh, so the first one coming at you about 24 hours after Detroit City FC's Home opener of the uh, 2023 USL Championship season. The team uh, at the highest level of the game here, Detroit City FC, second division. Uh, so kind of the, the flower of the soccer calendar is opening up with, uh, you know, the, the, the first big game here in town for uh, outdoors. And to kind of, you know, fill us in or kind of give... Uh, his uh, view of the game and open up what kind of I'm going to surmise. I, I think the title of this episode will be Detroit City FC's home opener, wind streaking and an L. And to uh, open up this conversation, I've got Chris Crossinio Rosen. He was there in a, a similar capacity as me on a Saturday afternoon. I was there with the family uh, as a fan, and so is Chris. Welcome to the program, Chris. Thank you for uh, spending a couple minutes to talk uh, a chilly day in Hamtramck. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't think we have, neither of us sound like we have a cold, so that's good. Good, good start. Yeah, about 24 hours after that. Uh, so far, so good. Haven't uh, yeah, come down with any uh, snizzles or sneezes, but uh, I saw you there. You were with a uh, family. I was there with uh, a, a group of families, actually, and bumped into a lot of other friends as well. So it was kind of a, a fun uh, regathering of people that haven't seen each other throughout the winter. 
But uh, kind of give us a snapshot of uh, your Saturday afternoon when Detroit City FC took on Indy 11 in the uh, first game at home. Absolutely. So uh, we try to get down there as early as possible. They had a couple of giveaways that are really cool, kind of knapsack, backpack, you know, one of those just kind of soccer toss bags. My daughter's completely obsessed with them. And that was one prize number one. The second one was they had a gator um, to cover your kind of cover your mouth um, and nose, um, which t- yesterday would have been an, an ideal day for for a gator, really <laughs> blocking that wind and snow and sleet, whatever, whatever, whatever elements were uh, were, were uh, brewing around the, uh, the stadium. But we got there about an hour early. And believe it or not, the, all of the freebies were gone already. So that was I was kind of bummed. Um, you know, I know my daughter, Sophia, she was kind of looking forward to that. Um, so we made our way over to uh, grab a slice of pizza. Um, we um, Lines weren't bad then. Um, however, the wind conditions were blowing multiple tents over. And uh, I got a slice of pepperoni pizza and it, it blew away. So I didn't get to enjoy that. Sophia had her uh, her cheese slice. And, um, you know, we ended up getting some hot chocolate. I got a coffee and, um, you know, it was all right. Um, we saw a few familiar faces. Um, we sat on the gold side, um, which is a little bit more of a quiet, um, you know, right, right at the 50 yard line. You get to see, um, you know, the players sub in, get to yell at the refs. You, the refs are guaranteed to, uh, hear, hear the, the, the choice words that you, uh, come up with creatively throughout the game. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. What did you think, Rob? It was, um, it was quite a day. <laughs> it was quite a day. You said you had a pizza slice, uh, blow away from you. I had, uh, uh, drinks blow. One of them blew away that was sitting on the, the bleacher next to me. And I had one, a, a drink actually blow out of my hand when I was in the stands. Wild. <laughs> So it was quite a day. It was a, it's a third game of the season. Detroit City FC started the season uh, with one loss and one win on the road on the West Coast, but uh, they were struck back to reality when it was about, what, 30 degrees and 50-mile-an-hour winds. It, it really yeah. was kind of unreal conditions, and ever, there, I'd say – uh, Detroit fans were troopers because all of my family ended up uh, and all the people I came with ended up ditching and going to Yemen Cafe a little bit early. But uh, most everybody, I think they announced attendance at 6,100 and some change. And I think probably like 5,900 or so stayed till the end. Right. right. We, we made it to the 79th minute. And then uh, I think we made a business decision that I, I couldn't believe we stayed that long. And um you know, they were sold out of blankets. I think we went in and, and took a look to see what other uh, warm supplies that they have. And, and it is kind of fascinating that the season starts every year. I went to the home opener last year, and um, I was questioning my decision-making the whole whole game last year. And um, really the same thing happened this year. So I don't know if we can maybe move it back get some more uh, road games to start the season on. I mean, the Tigers don't. We'll start for a couple more weeks, and we're playing soccer and uh, just choice weather and have beautiful Hamtramck, you know. So, but they, believe it or not, I don't know if you saw, but India, India Eleven had a great crowd. They had probably about forty, at least forty people, and they were pretty loud right behind, um, really right behind their benches. And um, yeah, I was kind of shocked by that. I think um, even the Columbus Crew last year, I don't even know if they had that many people uh, travel. I mean, they might, maybe they did. I don't know. If, do you remember that at all? Yeah, actually, I was I, I chatted about the Columbus game quite a few times. It, it 
had some memories of, you know, being freezing cold at Keyworth Stadium. But I was actually with uh, Luke Zagorski at that Columbus game last year, and he is a Columbus Crew fan uh, that supersedes his Detroit City fandom. So uh, I kind of was on the periphery of the, the Columbus section, and that was decent, but I would, I mean, filled up most of one section. The, the second to last one there on the gold side uh, was decently filled up with um, Columbus fans. And I was, that's now the, the, the big boy family section. And it's funny, we, we had different experiences, even though we ran into each other, because I didn't even, uh, encounter the Indy 11 fans at all. And we weren't too far away from them, but I was, uh, corralling kids and, uh, chatting with people. So maybe I wasn't being, uh, too observant. uh, One of the Indy 11 fans to be cute or to be funny, whatever, he wore an avalanche jersey to the to the soccer game, so I don't know. Maybe he's really smart or really dumb, but um, <laughs> I don't know. That was pretty uh, pretty amusing. Um, so he was definitely a part of their supporter group. Um, but it seemed, yeah, it seemed pretty well organized. They had their own chance going. As far as game day experience goes, um, there was a DJ prior to the game time. I think he cut out a little bit early. I don't know if it's because of the wind, um, but I, I think they should keep keep up with the DJ. I, I really I love music, and I think that's something that they should, um, you know, maybe even do. You know, get the music pumping on at halftime. You know, on the concourse and stuff. I think that's um, just makes it a little bit more of a, of a full full experience. Um, so I, I really like the effort there. There was about nine, I think about nine food trucks. Does that sound right? Uh, there was definitely a lot there. We had, uh, um, we had some of our group go grab the food while I was assigned to the drinks line. So I didn't uh, quite see how many food trucks there were, but where was that DJ? Was that up by like the kielbasa sausage line or where was that at? So the, to the, the DJ was, uh, he had a little black tent which was blowing over as he was wrapping up. And I wasn't sure if it's going to be really a safety situation there. Um, some of the spectators or, or such were kind of holding down the tent so he could pack up his gear. But um, that was right next to where you go go to grab a slice of pizza. So right right kind of where you go into the uh, the, the rowdy, rowdier side, the, smoke, the smoking section, if you will, of DCFC. Um, I think... The one change I've noticed in the past year um, with these games selling out and having just so many people on the concourse, um, there is, you know, whether it's bathroom lines or food lines, that it's there's just a lot of people. It's not too hard to get a drink ever, but when you got to go to the can, it's, it's, it's definitely a little more challenging. Um, and I think you're going to see throughout the season, I think they're just, they're, it's the fact that, you know, matter of fact, they're out, they're outgrowing the stadium. It's just, it's a, it's a great place. And, um, I've enjoyed kind of seeing them grow. I have season tickets this year, but um, I think this is kind of where you just see, you're like, okay, this just this isn't, it's not working. So, um, <laughs> you know, which part's not working, Chris? What were you say? Which Go part's ahead. not working? Yeah, I think uh, I think the capacity is just it's not working. There's just too many people. Um, it's you know, I'm trying to stay positive here. Um, so <laughs> I do I do love what they're trying to do. I do I think they do a great job supporting the community. And uh, representing, you know, the sport, they, they do, you know, just a, a great job. Seems like they're putting out a better field, a better team on the field each year with with exciting players. Um, but I just think that the the whether it's bathroom facilities or overall, uh, you know, room spacing on the concourse, it's just they're outgrowing the stadium. It's not. Um, it's for what they're trying to do. It's just it's just too. Um, it, it, you can't run it at like a high school stadium anymore. I think. 
Yeah, I mean, what uh, would be the the logical next step if uh, yeah, so if I it's think, um, if it's not uh, big enough big, now? So this is the exciting news I was going to tell you, but I'm going to actually head down to Miami in two weeks to go catch a DCFC game against Miami FC. So I'll take a look at their stadium and see what that's like down there. Um, you know, from for me, for Michigan's uh, Michigan soccer as a whole, um, the solution just seems to be go find a high school stadium. Uh, rent it, borrow it, use it. Um, and, and I really think with the investors, I, obviously I know that everything costs money, but, um, you know, I think there's enough passionate people about soccer, the sport in, in, in the great state of Michigan that, that we really got to find some, some, some of our own soccer stadiums. Um, and they're coming. I mean, they're, they're without, with, no doubt they're coming, but, um, yeah, I just, I think some of the sold out games down there for me, for, for my personal experience, like, I just don't like a lot of, like, maybe I'm claustrophobic, but I just don't like a lot of, like, where you feel like you can't move. Um, you know, sit, sitting down in the stands was great. Um, the gold section wasn't bad yesterday. Um, and, and all the fans are always good, you know, they're great people to each other. But um, that's the one thing I've just been noticing on, on, on the actual sellout games or, you know, you have five, 6,000 people down there. It's It can get a little cramped, um, whether you're waiting for the, you know, the men's room, women's room. Um or just kind of grab a slice of pizza. Sometimes those lines can be a little bit too too long. I mean, if you're missing, you're missing 22 minutes, 20, 30 minutes of the soccer game to go to the soccer game, you know, while you're trying to watch the soccer game, and that's uh, you know, it's, it takes away from the experience. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, we were pretty tactical about it, and uh, I was lucky enough to to not get stuff uh, stuck in a line for the bog. But the game itself, so we talked about the wind, tents blowing away. It it also had a big effect on the game itself. Um, not a lot of uh, um, quality was allowed to be displayed. It was kind of a game where they were just trying to get through it because it, it was pretty brutal out there, just uh, like gale force winds constantly throughout the whole uh, match and at one point some hail came down for a second there and I one of my favorite perches at Keyworth I, I like to, to, to be on the top row and get a good vantage point but you went up on that back row and <laughs> and and my hat blew off and uh, that's when the drink blew out of my hand was when I tried to go on the top row wow. but um, the game itself uh, I had some fun uh uh, ceiling. Anytime the ball went up in the air, it just like blew all over the place and was all askew. And it seemed like uh, it definitely had an effect. And players weren't comfortable. And one thing I did notice when I was I was watching that, man, the you know Detroit City or neither team really, but especially Detroit wasn't stringing more than two three passes together at a time. And I'm I'm pulling up on Fop Mob the actual statistics. And um, it says here that they only uh, had 162 accurate passes throughout the whole game, and uh, only it's had. Not, it's not. Uh, it's not a huge shock to me. I know the game. Um, you, you, were you sitting down for the start of the game? Yeah. So the game actually had a really fun moment at the beginning of the game. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember it? Are you talking about the 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 goal that was disallowed? Nope, that would have been great if that was a goal. No, so the game started out with the, right after the kickoff. There was about eight headers back and forth uh, between both teams, and that was pretty funny just to, to witness. I don't see, I don't think there's too many games I can remember that kind of start out with just headers only, and 
it almost looked like they were all training at a training session, just trying to keep the ball up in the air. So it was pretty awesome. Um, I remember the goal being disallowed. That was kind of a shocker. That was offsides. You had a, probably a better vantage point on that one. It wasn't obvious, but it was one of those situations where uh, there was two or three attempts, and on one of them, I think it was a rebound. Uh, the, the the player was offside. And in a funny moment from my vantage point was that there was a guy in the VIP area, you know, where like the cocktail bar is by the Keyworth wall. Um, he saw the goal go in and he ran uh, all the way down that entire bar section, high-fiving people like long after, you know, the flag had gone up. He high-fived about 50 people after <laughs> after everyone had realized Except for him, that uh, that there was an offside goal. I believe the smoking section started some smoke too. So it's some some pre preliminary smoking celebrations. Oh, brutal! And it seemed in those first opening moments of the game, it seemed like uh, Indy Eleven's goalie was playing off his line. I mean, he did play off his line quite a bit throughout the whole game, but in the opening moments of the match, it seemed like he was going to get caught because that offside goal came from an attempted chip, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. We were having fun, um, so if I'm remembering correctly, yeah, it was an attempted chip over the goalie, and I think the the save uh, was offside. And then there was a couple other moments where they looked like they were trying to ch- chip the... Indy 11 goalie, but then as the game wore on, none of those opportunities really arose himself, and Detroit never intercepted any bad sloppy passes or anything at the back, and there, they, they, as the game wore on, Detroit definitely piled on the pressure there in those last few moments, probably after you left. like They really came alive, yeah, I'd say the last five minutes, ten minutes of regulation, and then it actually was kind of heartbreaking, but there was nine minutes. I was as far as I could be, like at the far corner, so I could leave and try to get to the warmth as soon as I could. And then the the, the fourth official put up nine minutes of stoppage time, and I think there was a a collective groan. So I, I've never attended any of these, whether it was a Nisa game or a USL Championship game. The most I've ever seen was maybe three, maybe four minutes. I've never seen nine. And so the fact that they had the nine minutes was uh, pretty remarkable. And, uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. And then I think I, I can definitely remember yelling at a player um, when we got a red card or a yellow card, you know, their second yellow to get a red for, for, for City. I can remember yelling at the player, telling him how miserable and how cold that was that he needed to get up or get off the field so the game could, could, could resume. So, um that was yeah. That was that was one of my favorite moments for sure. And then um, I know it was interesting to watch the ball when it was in the air. I was surprised the keepers kept kept really just trying to push the ball up the field because there's no there was going to be no control on on who who it was going to go to. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, if I was the coach of, of either team or the manager, I would have been like, hey, let's try to maybe not keep the ball in the air. Is my you know try to keep it low keep it low let's let's try to maybe do that <laughs> but it didn't really seem like um didn't really seem like either team was afraid that they, they kept putting the balls in there all day and most of them it seemed like there's a lot of balls out of bounds um a lot of turnovers for both teams um i don't know what was the possession was it was it 50 50 or no no that's another thing that was i, I knew that i figured indy 11 had a slight edge but according to fat mob it, detroit only had 33 percent of the possession in that game uh, it's interesting. You see, um, you see the man of the match. Who that was? 
No, no, I didn't. So it was uh, it was the mustache man, mustache man with uh, Matthew Bryan, I believe his name is. Oh, Michael Bryan. Yeah. Um, it, it was Michael Bryan. Michael Bryan. Um, so he, I guess he had some pretty good, pretty solid interceptions and turnover rate. Um, you know, converting. But he was he was a bully. I watched some of the plays, and he was a bully, like in the air. And um, at, at moments there was there was some good physical play. So that was. You know, if you're going to be a true soccer or football aficionado, I guess that's the takeaway. It was a really sloppy, rough game, and, and there were some moments where, um, you know, you saw some defensive battles with the wind, with the ball blowing really everywhere. Uh, but but each, you know, each each their opponent's goal. I don't know. That was my. Uh, I think that's probably my overall takeaway. Well, I think a big part of what contributed to the nine minutes of stoppage time, well, there was two things. After Indy 11 got the one and only goal of the game, they went down uh, every bit a little bit of contact. They went down and stayed down for a long time, and they definitely made the game ugly and slow once they, they got ahead. But um, <laughs> the thing that really added a lot of stoppage time was – the first streaker in DCFC history. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw any of that, if you left before or after that happened. I, I was gone. I was gone, thankfully. Oh, man. Well, I wasn't the streaker, actually. So you were saying that you were about the 50-yard line on the gold side. Well, that was where this gentleman decided to uh, jump the fence and get into the the, the action and r- run across the, the field in his underpants. And, uh, yeah, definitely did his best Will Ferrell impression uh, running around uh, streaking through the quad. And it kind of ran into coverage as he went to the far corner over by the cocktail bar and got laid out pretty good. And yeah, I heard the reaction. I don't know if someone posted on Twitter, but uh, yeah, I heard the reactions. Uh, someone that was taping it kind of turned the camera and I heard, Ooh, and I was like, Oh, okay. That's not good. Yeah. The, there was a, a, a national account, John Mueller, he posted like the screen grab or uh, a little clip of the broadcast and on the broadcast, you can see the guy run on and kind of go all the way across the field. And the, the can't, the, the camera pans away as he's getting nailed in the, at the far corner. And are you familiar with the movie sky captain in the world of tomorrow? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Okay, so it's kind of a random movie. So I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you an excuse for not knowing that one. But there's this whole end sequence where there's a, you know, it's a fantasy type movie, and there's a journalist, and she's, you know, uh, filming all this stuff. It's going to be the, you know, the breakthrough story of this reporter's career. I think it's Gwyneth Paltrow actually is the character, and she goes through this whole sequence, and at the end, she looks down and she had her lens cap on the camera the whole time. And so the streaker, I saw him early and I, you know, as a true person of the modern age, pulled out my phone as soon as I saw, I, I, you know, saw what was happening. And I thought I had footage of the whole scene, you know, play out. And I was like, oh, this is gold. And when I went back to look at it, it was, I had not hit record. So the only thing I saw was at the end when I was putting the phone back in my pocket. So I didn't get the the golden video of uh, Keyworth's first streaker at all. I had blown it. No, uh, the, uh, the only fantasies I have are about soccer, unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I did get a, uh, a picture of him uh, uh, getting put into the back of uh, 
Hamtramck's finest squad cars. Poor guy. Honestly, he's probably just trying to stay warm. I mean, I, I, I don't blame him, man. It was really bad. They were kind really enough. Bad. They put a jacket on him when they perp walked him. <laughs> they did put a jacket on him. Yeah, he 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 was in a jacket by the time he came back around to the uh, the entrance side and getting put in the cop cars. Yeah, not bad, not bad at all. Yeah, we we so we made our way over to the Indy, uh, or we not the Indy Eleven. We made our way over to the uh, Fulling Warehouse um, to get you know kind of stay warm and and try to catch the end of the game. And I don't know if I could say the experience was amazing, but um, I don't know. I I'm trying to stay positive, so I guess it was okay. But it was I don't know. I mean, it seems simple, right? Football, bowling pins, and some drinks, and everyone should have, be kind of having a good mood, but. They weren't very welcoming, and and that's to say the least. But um, we even had to pay a cover to get in there, which I was kind of outlandish. But um, was that after the game? Yeah, it was after the game. I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I thought they were trying to charge us fourteen dollars a person. Um, we called actually up there last year, and they said if you're not, you have to be at least twelve to enter, which seems like a very bizarre age. And my daughter's ten. But she looks like she's 13, so I was like, it should be fine. And they didn't ask us at all yesterday. But um, it was, yeah, it was kind of weird. But it was a nice place to get warm. And then they, uh, we, we caught we caught a few minutes of the, the, the stoppage time, I suppose. And then uh, March Madness came on. They didn't anticipate the, uh, the stoppage time on their, uh, their automatic uh their automatic cable package. So uh, I think stoppage time had like three or four minutes to go and, and it switched to March Madness coverage. <laughs> Did everybody have a big groan at that? Uh, I was, I was probably the only one upset about that, but I'm sure that the rest of the people were probably just happy to be falling or, or out of the cold at that point. Yeah. I was going to say, were you warm at least? I was, we were really warm. We got a couple of drinks. It was great. And um, it was, um, I think, I don't know if I've actually ever, I've never folded in there before. And then I don't know if I've been in and been out. I cannot remember um, if I've been in that facility or not, but um, facility is huge. It's really cool. Like it's, it's massive. I guess they had bands back, back in the day. Um, and they have like a stage. So kind of interesting. Yeah. That's uh, definitely a unique setup they got over we there. Um, we got to talk about this real quick. Um Former DCFC players playing elsewhere. You remember their uh, remember their star stud named uh, Pato? Yeah, of course. So he got himself a goal yesterday. It was nice. Yeah, he's on Las Vegas Lights now, right? Yep, exactly. Exactly. So he had a good game. I think they brought home a win, I believe. And then um, Antoine Hopeno, he they tied. But I think I want to say he scored. If he didn't score, he contributed. But. Um, so I think he's still in good form out there. I wish he was one of my favorite players. I thought he was like the hardest worker on the field uh, last year. So I was kind of sad to see him go. Yeah, I was on a, another episode uh, after one of the opening road games. And um, there isn't really, I think some of the new players that they got could be exciting. But his, uh, I don't know if anyone has his uh, dynamism, hardworking, fast guile. I don't. He could kind of make, things happen when nothing else was really going on. And I don't know if they have anyone uh, with that dynamic quality right now. Yeah. I tell you what, did you see Skaggs play at all? I was actually, I'm glad you brought him up because in the second game that they, they got their win, he was amazing and he did some good things in that opening game. He he has some good quality to him. You could tell. So I was really surprised. I was really surprised he didn't start yesterday. 
yeah, so I, he came in second half, and he looked like, and it might, you know, it's still, this, I think they're calling this preseason, like, three games in, this is kind of, they're still figuring out what the team is going to be, like, they're, they're starting 11, but, um, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a, you know, approaching the game, watching it like a manager, I'm thinking this guy just probably needs to get more involved, um, you know, next game, right off the cuff, you know. And then we'll see what uh, um, the English guy, uh, Ben Morris, does once he's finally in, integrated into the team. And then there's also uh, the Colombian midfielder they picked up, I think, on I'm Thursday so or Friday. Yeah, what's his name? He's got a really fun name to say. Uh, I don't have it off the top of my head, okay, but I did see that he was from, yeah, we, from we Bogota. Gotta get, we got to get some of these new guys on, uh, see if we can get, get an interview, maybe a nice interview lined up with Skaggs. What's Skaggs, what's Skaggs' last name? Simonson, I believe. So cool. He's from Norway. Oh man, you're asking me all the deep facts. I, I, I believe so. Norway, but I could be wrong. I I, I I follow as much as I can on Instagram. I, I really do. But um, it's tough to uh, tough to really pinpoint where every every single player is from. But yeah, there's definitely a, a different mix to the team this year. Uh, there was a number of new players in the starting lineup, and one of the big changes uh, so far. Uh, this year, this early going is a back four from Trevor James, where it was pretty much, uh, I think, a 100%. Or was it two before? It was a back three pretty much religiously all year last year. And a big part of the success of the back three was Devin Amumensa. And when I was hanging you, out in the corner, I so that's like my one kind of like journalistic thing that I did at the game yesterday was he was on the side right at the end of the game. And I chit chatted with him for a minute and, you know, asked him what his timeline was. And he said, he's still like three, four weeks out. Oh, he's sandbagging, man. He's going to be back next week. Now, he, he, he didn't want to play that cold yesterday, man. <laughs> he still had to stand outside in it. That's true. That's true. It's better to, better to play in the cold than, than sit and watch people play in the cold for sure. But no, he was my, uh, I think he was my second favorite player last year. He was unbelievable. Uh, going back to the Columbus Crew game, he really manned up and just he had uh, you know he had everyone on lockdown, um, and that's I mean dude, he's playing at that point he was playing against MLS guys so um, he really shined last year um, and then he picked up that that bummer of an injury but yeah it'd be great to have him back um, yeah I don't know I don't know what the, the lineup looks it's funny because it seems like we got a lot of tall guys. And a lot of like the same, they all kind of look like the same player. Do you know what I mean? Outside of Skage Simonson, they all do have the same. He He's still the same kind of build, but plays yeah. a different way. But I, I know what you're saying. They're, they all kind of have the same sort of skill set, it seems like. That's why well, I was saying Hopano was kind of like a different breed than that. And um, I'm not sure who who ha- who's the, like the kind of the piece that switches up pace or attacks a back line. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we can have so like like I don't know what what kind of formation this this is going to be this year. I, I, the one thing I noticed last year was that the guys really they have their position, but they're really floating all around the field, and it's always changed. If you're playing left back, you could easily you know end up scoring one of the goals off a couple touches. Um, so that I, I don't know if it's going to be the same like that same system if they're adjusting this year based on talent. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, it'd be nice to have a guy play next to Maxi and be able to feed, you know, just feed each other the ball and figure out, you know, how to make goal scoring opportunities. Their last game, they scored three rockets, I thought. 
And I thought I thought the answer I thought Trevor had, had, you know Trevor James had really figured out you know how to score you know great goals and really be you know Detroit City's always been a one nothing two one type type of team they've never scored three four or five goals in a game to beat their opponent so and obviously USL USL championship is ultra competitive so that might be unrealistic to blow out your opponent but um, that's something I would like to see I know I think from just you know, being an American soccer fan, I'd love to see more goals, right? Um, and if they're great goals, they're not just tapping, they're great goals. Last week, Maxi Rodriguez, phenomenal goal. Um, who was the other guy that the, the opening goal? I can't remember who that who scored that one. The right uh right right flank, I believe. Um It was Connor Rutz uh, forced an own goal. Yeah, but it was great. I mean I, I did yeah, that was that was that was a, a quality look. Um, they get, and they scored early last week, so um, I, I'm throwing I'm throwing this week's game out. It didn't even count. Um, you know, I I don't even know why they played it. To be honest, I, I don't. I hope that if it's opening day next year and it's snowing, I don't. I'd make a better choice. But um, yeah, I don't think the uh, either team's professional qualities or abilities was, you know. It, the fact that any team scored was was actually kind of a miracle. I told my friend that I was at the game with, I looked at him, I was like, you know, there might be two goals this game, but I don't think they're even going to be really intentional. It's going to be kind of like a, a whoopsie or a, uh, you know, something to do with the wind. And, and I think that's that, that was probably true. Yeah, that's actually the discussion I had with my, uh, with my, with my young son was, I don't think we're going to see some uh, bing bang, goal it's going to be a mistake and it was well put together it was off a set piece from Indy 11 um they played it across and a late run came in and slotted it home i i figured there was gonna be a bad back pass or you know a random one in the air like looped over the goalie or something like that but not to be actually and then another notable before we uh wrap this up another notable uh event of the game was yazid matthews getting a second yellow, which was a um, Detroit went the entire season without a single red card last year. And uh, here they are game three of the season. And he gets two yellows, gets a red. Um, the Indy 11 player really sold it, getting kind of uh, did a, a good acting job to get Matthews the second yellow. But uh Yuzid Matthews, I don't think had a very good game overall. Even if I don't really necessarily agree with that second yellow, I don't, I don't think he had a good game at all before that either. Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't, I didn't know how how much of intent there was on that foul, um, and and if it really required a uh, yellow, the ref as soon as it happened, he was prepared. He had the red in his right hand and the yellow in his left. He was. He was ready to, ready to throw one out. I, how many yellow cards were in that game, Rob? Do you know offhand or not really? I don't want to put you on the spot. I, I think there might have been about eight or nine. Um, I think the ref lost control of it. He, I don't know why, man. I don't know if he's the only one that wasn't cold yesterday. I would have I would have tried to brief, you know, brief in that game up as much as possible, man. It was, uh, it was something. There was eight yellow cards given out uh, in the match yesterday. And I remember now why I thought the the acting got him. I remember it was the yell from the the guy who who was tackled. He he yelled out very dramatically, and I you could kind of tell that that tipped the scales in the referee's mind. And yeah, and it is dangerous to to go in with a somewhat of a lunging tackle when you're on the yellow. But 
Looking ahead for Detroit City FC, it's only three games into the 2023 season. Uh, they are one win and two losses. But coming up here, uh, two home games back-to-back. Uh, coming up for City, another home game next Saturday as they welcome Rio Grande Valley FC. And then uh, the following Tuesday on April 4th, the Open Cup returns to Keyworth Stadium and a uh, unique matchup as Detroit City FC will take on Gold Star FC Detroit in uh, a very unique matchup. You going to head out to that? You going to look forward to that one, Chris? Yeah, I'll be at both games. I'm looking forward to, um, I don't don't know, what was the first team you mentioned? Uh, Rio Grande Valley FC. Where are they from? Do you have any idea? Um, very close to the Mexico border in, um, I don't know the town, but. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen them play. I, I watched, I've watched most of the West, Cam- West Coast uh, teams play from the USL Championship. Um, I've, I've, I've seen most of the teams play at least once. Um, but so, no, that'll be interesting. I don't know anything about that team. Um, at the local level, um, to see Detroit, uh, what is it, Detroit Gold FC, is that what they're called? Gold Star. Gold Star. Okay. Okay. That's not, I got to make that a little more memorable. Um, Detroit Gold Star FC coming to, uh, coming to Keywords for the first time. Not too sure what to expect from. They have uh, Roddy Green from a former DCFC player. So that'll be fun to see him run around um, and play against his old team. Um, they've signed, oh my gosh, they've signed probably three or four or five local guys. Um, from the Livonia, West Bloomfield. So it's pretty cool. Um, and they've also signed, um, I just saw it yesterday, they signed a guy from uh, New York, I think, playing, uh, I don't know if it's at the NISA level or the, I can't remember what the other, um, I don't know if it's maybe the USL2. Not not positive on that, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I actually talked to someone today and we... It's actually the, my buddy Jeff uh, Sixera. We we shared the season tickets. We talked about whether or not uh, Gold Star would be able to pull off an upset, and we really we were kind of curious if that would be a bigger upset than uh, than DCFC beating uh, you know the crew last year, or, or just what that would mean for for DCFC. So um, you know he, he kind of you know agreed that that'd be just utter chaos. We we're both hoping that doesn't happen. So, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what what Gold Star what what they're trying to bring for for the soccer in the area. Um, what they're you know what just how t- how how talented their recruiting department has been. Um, I don't know. I think they've only played. I don't, even, I don't know if they've even started their official season yet. No, that's one of the things that uh, we are going to talk about on the second episode of the show of the week. We are going to talk to the Knights who say Nisa and get the lowdown on everything that's going on with uh, the two Nisa teams here in town. Gold Star FC I have their first ever competitive match Saturday, April 1st, away in Chattanooga. And then uh, their second competitive match in Hamtramck against Detroit City FC in the Open Cup. So exciting times. The uh, summer of soccer is getting started already (laughs) with with snow falling on us. Uh, We're just heading into what should be uh, an outstanding year, a year that uh, definitely will be the 
the the year that has the most opportunities I think Michigan players have ever had to to actually get on a team and play. So exciting times ahead. Can't wait for that. Thank you, Crossinho, for uh, thanks for having me, man. For joining me on the Michigan Soccer Central podcast, sir. Thank you so much for having me, man. Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> hope everyone gets out to a couple of games. Um, they want to wait till it's warmer. I, I don't. Not going to argue with that. But uh, no, enjoy the uh, enjoy all the great soccer Metro has to offer. There's a ton of it. And listen to uh, listen to Rob. He does a great job uh, every week. Just getting you the info on where to check out all the soccer. Hey, this is Chloe Ricketts, and you're tuned in to Michigan Soccer Central. Thank you so much to Chris Crossinho Rosen here on the Michigan Soccer Central podcast. Thank you for spending your Sunday evening with me. <laughs> it was quite the challenge on Saturday, but glad to be uh, warm and well and have the soccer season here in Metro Detroit really and truly kicked off. Thank you to all the guests that we've had on this program. Be sure to check out all 100 and plus episodes on uh, your favorite podcast streaming platform. And also check out the Michigan Soccer Central YouTube channel. We try to get as many podcasts up on the YouTube channel as possible and uh, get some some video up there as well. There should be some good stuff on the Michigan Soccer Central YouTube. Uh, check out at MI Soccer Central across the social media platforms. We got the followers going strong on Instagram, over 9,800 and uh, counting on Twitter and many, many more on Facebook. So thank you for everyone for following. And please be sure to follow the YouTube as well. All right. So uh, like we said in the episode with Chris, lots of soccer ahead. And kudos to uh, the high school girl season kicking off this week as well. I know some of those trainings must have been awfully cold. So until next time. Everybody, please enjoy your soccer.